Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. You recognize this, don't you? When the devil finished, Johnny said, well, you're pretty good, old son. But sit down in that chair right there and let me show you how it's done. Fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. Easily as big as said, Charlie Daniels passed away, and this song has tens of millions of more views and listens than any of his other songs, and he did fine with his other songs, too. I got a note yesterday from Steve and Johnny, and they said, uh, boy, we talked to him many times. Hi, Steve and Johnny. How are you? Good. Hi, John. Steve King, Johnny Putnam, you've heard them for years on WGN Radio. You still do, and boy, if anybody's known music over the years at this station, it's you guys. So how did you come in contact with him? What, how do you guys get together? Well, actually, uh, Johnny came in contact with him a long time before I did, before she was even in radio. Right. 1975, I was at the University of Tennessee. I was on the stage crew, and he was just kind of bubbling under there. And um, he had a song called The South's Gonna Do It Again, and we brought him in to perform that song, and I rate that as possibly one of my top five all-time great live concert experiences when you're in the South and he's singing the South's going to do it again. And then right after that, he came out with uh, uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia, and the rest was history. Steve, of course, went on to, to do music radio and played his music all the time. And the first time that we really talked with uh, with Charlie was when we had landed at WGN Radio, and uh, initially it was a phone interview. I believe it was promoting one of his uh, albums, and then we wound up, uh, that first interview, John, you know, sometimes when you're interviewing somebody for the first time, it can be a little uh, a little stilted. But with Charlie, it just felt like we were talking to an old friend, and we wound up having a really good friendship, and I wound up talking with him dozens of times, and having him in the studio several times, and... Uh, for many years on our New Year's Eve shows, uh, we had to start off with a call from Charlie calling us live from wherever he was performing because nice. he, he wanted to make that a part of his New Year's Eve tradition. And uh, we just had to, he was a wonderful man. He also did a chapter in our book because he was not only a fiddler, but he started out as a bass player. You know, in the early 60s, he was a session man in Nashville, Tennessee, a highly respected session man. Went on to be in Bob Dylan's band in the late 60s. He recorded three albums with Dylan. He was with him for a couple of years. And 
then it went off on his own solo career, and uh, he, when he did The Devil Went Down to Georgia, he always told the story about he was trying to find an instrument that would make you feel kind of a, a chill down your back that would be kind of scary, you know, just bringing forth that, that dark side of the music. And he said to him, it was multiple fiddles, and of course... You know, that whether or not you like the song, you hear that first riff and you know what you're listening to. Does this um, resonate with you guys? I was reading about him in CNN and they were saying that he didn't like being called a country star. And he said, look, I've played with Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen and Ringo Starr. And yeah. and, and, and sometimes some of those guys on the same day, I do a, a concert with my band over here and something with one of those guys over there. He didn't like being pigeonholed. That's true. And I think that became more evident, particularly in about the past, oh, I would say 10 to 15 years. If you want to get in a really good idea of what Charlie Daniels was all about, listen to some of the albums he put out over the past decade or so. Yeah, he was country, he was rock, but there's jazz, there's blues. Uh, he, he was very eclectic. He just loved music, and he also loved his Les Paul guitars. And one of the things that we write about in a, our, uh, our blog post uh, was the time that we got to surprise him. He had never encountered Les Paul. In fact, during a time when he was in the studio with us, he said something, and it made us think that he thought that Les was no longer alive. Well, I kind of indicated to Johnny, keep him talking, and I told our producer at the time, uh, Paula Cooper, I said, get Les on the phone. (laughs) And so we came out of a commercial break, and we brought Les on, and Charlie was blown away. Les wound up inviting Charlie to come and join him at the Iridium. And you know how you always see pictures of Charlie Daniels with that big old hat? Yeah. There is a picture on our blog of Charlie and Les Paul playing, and out of respect for Les, Charlie is not wearing his hat, but if you look at the two of them, you will see the biggest smiles in the world. They're just having a ball jamming together. Hmm. What a nice moment for the two of them. So, Oh, yeah. And i got to tell you, I was giving Steve the stink eye across the counter. I thought, this could go really bad. Yeah, right. The man sitting next to me thinks he's going to be talking to a dead man. <laughs> <laughs> well, was he a good... I mean, so he played the guitar. Did he play the fiddle, too, Charlie Daniels? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh gosh. And, yeah. We have some great pictures of him uh, at the Sandwich Fair where he was playing, and it was like 105 degrees, and the strings are breaking, and the st- it, it almost looks like an evil instrument. Like, he's holding it down, and he's... He's fighting it, and it's just popping strings all over the place. He was a fabulous uh, musician, fiddler, bass player, and guitarist. And a terrific guy. And uh, to address a bit of an elephant uh, that may or may not be uh, in the ether, uh, Charlie's political leanings and our political leanings were not the same. It didn't matter. It never came up. He was all about just the music and he was just a good guy, 
And, and people got to know, he never took this on stage. No one ever knew his politics when he was performing. But uh, people got to know that side of him. After September 11th, he became very vocal. Right. And he started the soapbox on his, uh, his website. Mm-hmm. And some people were shocked and surprised. And he said, well, this is who I am. I'm not going to cram it down your throat on stage. But I want you to know that I'm a patriot. I will fight for veterans till my death. And I will let you know where I stand politically. But he never endorsed a candidate. No, in, in fact, during the 2016 election, somebody asked him who he was going to endorse. And uh, he said something to the effect of, frankly, I don't think either of them belong in the White House. It's funny because I, I was wondering about that. Was he always so outspoken? And I think he positioned it as, I'm a super patriot. I love America. Um, I presume he was more conservative than than liberal. But I, I was reading that they had a post nine eleven. They had a country freedom concert in Nashville, mm-hmm. and they disinvited him from performing at that because the lyrics in one of the songs that he was going to perform were I don't know I, I haven't seen the lyrics. It was called "This Ain't No Rag, It's a Flag." Right. As a matter of fact, Johnny had a conversation with Tariq Charlie about that. I talked with him about that, uh, and it wasn't on the air. We were talking to him about having him on the air to talk about that controversy. And he said, and I I chose to believe him at that time because I I really felt like that he was a good-hearted man. And he said to me, when I use the term rag, I was not using a disparaging term toward Muslims or people of a different faith. He said, but that's how it's being perceived. And he said, if I have to suffer for that, you know, for misunderstanding me, or if I put it out there and it's negative, he says, I have to pay, I have to pay the price for that. Uh, one of the reasons that, that we, we appreciated Charlie was he didn't do something to be posturing. Who he was was who he was. He wasn't putting on a political outfit to appease a particular mm-hmm. audience, mm-hmm. and we respected that. Uh, his beliefs were different than ours, but they were genuine, and they never interfered with our relationship with a good man. Right. Well, we felt he was just a good human, and, and it, it's interesting, too, John, we um, are friends with a number of musicians all across the country, and many of them have posted their tributes to Charlie, and, and quite a few of them will say, you know, we didn't agree on a lot of things, but when it comes to being a good guy and a fabulous musician, we absolutely were in his corner. Well, the obvious, then, is that music is a great bridge, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. And it's funny, too, John, because if you go back to his very first hits, and they were probably bigger in the South, so I was more exposed to them, but Uneasy Rider, he's he's projecting himself as the long-haired hippie smoking marijuana <laughs> going into a redneck bar. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's where he was coming from, coming off of working with Dylan. And then just a few years ago, he did a tribute album to Dylan, and Dylan, knowing what his politics were, said, man... I always loved you as a musician, and I love you as a man. Oh, some people were amazed that he worked with Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Did um, he get tired of performing Devil Went Down to Georgia? No. And, in fact, that's one of the things I loved about him as a performer. You know, sometimes we use this, this term, of the, the performer does the Vegas act, where they speed up their, their hits, you know, just to get through them, because they've done them so many times. When he stepped on the stage and he picked up the fiddle and the crowd reacted, they knew what he was going to do, he gave it 110%. Yeah. 
Uh, and it, it, I was reading a story this morning of a, a friend of ours who was in another band that was the opening act for them, BR549, and he said it was a, a stadium that held 10,000 people, and it had been raining all day, and the organizers of the concert were praying that there would be lightning because they could cancel the show and they could get their money back through insurance, but that never happened, and they looked out in the field, and there were about 300 soaking wet people out there, and he said the most amazing thing was, number one, we went out and played, we played our hearts out, but when Charlie came out, he played like there were 110,000 people in that stadium. And after the concert, Charlie got everybody together. Yeah. And he <laughs> broke out. He, he he broke out. He had like this, uh, this whiskey, bar. Of, uh, whiskey bar. And he got all of the, uh, the musicians together. And he said, I want to thank you guys. He said, this is the kind of night when you give a little more. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point. Is is it, Steve, that if those people are going to make the extra effort to be there for you, then you're going to make an even bigger effort to be there for them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Again, that that's that's who he was. By the way, a little ironic thing that I just found out uh, a few hours ago. I was looking at Charlie's Facebook page. The last scheduled appearance that Charlie was going to be doing was to have been at the Rialto Square Theater. Oh, mm-hmm. in Joliet. In Joliet, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm sorry, was that still on his schedule? Was he still out oh, performing he, like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, oh, he was a road warrior, John. I mean, uh, he was doing, at 83, he was doing uh, probably a couple hundred shows uh, <laughs> a year. That's why we were stunned when we when we heard of his passing, because oh, yeah. he'd had some, some heart problems. About three uh, years about ago. About three years ago, but he'd recovered, he'd lost weight, he was doing well, he was out on the road, so this really shocked us. Sure nice to hear your voice. You two guys are like well-oiled cylinders, by the way. <laughs> you should do a radio show together sometime. We're a little creaky. You know, we oh, need to be oiled. <laughs> you haven't missed a beat, Johnny. You guys sound great. I trust you're doing well? Yes, we are. We we have been safe at home for all these months. My dad is here with us from Florida, so we're all here. And we're uh, actively working on our second book. And uh, Hopefully you'll talk to us when our second book, uh, Life After Dark, is available. Oh, is that what it's going to be called? I thought it was going to be called Even More Less or More... No, no. No, No, Life After Dark. Oh, nice. So it'll be a sort of compilation of some of your radio stories? Oh, yeah. It's going to be more about the events and the people that we were fortunate to encounter over the years that we were spending time inside your radio speakers. Well, if you have to edit, you could take out the part where I would sometimes come on the show at midnight with my clothes off on New Year's Eve. (laughs) Run around the neighborhood. You don't have to tell us. Uh, uh, John, I'm sorry. We, we can't get rid of that whole chapter. <laughs> <laughs> nice to hear you, Steve. Nice to hear you, Johnny. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. And uh, what a nice tribute to a guy that was uh, near and dear to your hearts and many people's. I, I, I appreciate what you guys are saying and doing. Well done. Thank you. Thank you, John. Steve King, Johnny Putnam, longtime WGNers. Uh, Charlie Daniels passing away the est- yesterday at the age of 83. And uh, what a nice resource they are for all of us, huh?